Hi, welcome to Bumps on the Road. My name is Merle Yost, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in California. First, I'm going to tell you my personal story so that you have an idea of where I'm coming from. And then I'm going to go into an overview of gynecomastia, both adolescent and adult onset, talk about the solutions to that, and largely give you the bigger picture of what gynecomastia is. So that when you're done with this video, you'll have the basic work knowledge about gynecomastia and what to do about it. So about age 11, I was a skinny little boy who suddenly developed breast. Didn't really know what to do with it. It was just strange. Suddenly, I, it was more than a small lump underneath the nipple. My parents took me to the doctor, and the doctor later told them, so my parents said, that they could remove the lumps, those rather large lumps underneath my nipples, or, they, or if they did, I wouldn't grow any taller. So my parents chose not to do anything about the gynecomastia. And so it kept getting larger. And though I was a skinny little boy, I still went to school and still had to go to PE and all of those things. And the girls by junior high school were offering me their bras. And somehow I always ended up on the team, the skins team, when we played skins and shirts. And the guys would always be grabbing at my chest. And my nickname was Tits. It was not a fun part of my childhood. Fast forward to high school, and I was fortunate enough to not have to take PE because I actually had a severe leg ankle injury. But I was in the choir and I did all these other activities and all these times that I had to change clothes with the other guys. And I went to great lengths to avoid taking my shirt off in front of the other guys. On to college and my first visit with the doctor was an adult, my own doctor. He had me take off my shirt, he looked at my chest, he left the room, then after he composed himself, he came back to talk to me. He was clearly stunned by my chest. He asked me if I was an alcoholic, or if I, how much I drank, which is a classic question the doctor would ask somebody who got a comastia, which I'll explain more about that later. So fast forward to my 35th and 35, and I got the permission from the insurance company to have the surgery. So I had my first breast reduction. It was rather life-changing for me in some ways. My partner said that I was actually very different, and I could remember taking my shirt off and going out and washing the car and doing all those kind of normal things that I could never do before. And then shortly after this, this is after I became a psychotherapist, I created my first professional website, and I put a section on there about gynecomastia because at that time there wasn't anything on the web really about it. And that part of my website got so overwhelmed with traffic that I launched its own website called gynecomastia.org, which has grown into this major website that has thousands of people visited almost on a daily basis. So unlike, or like many people, 30% of first surgeries after surgery, the gynecomastia comes back. And I was one of those people. So I wrote a book about gynecomastia called Demystifying Gynecomastia, which is available. And then I had my second surgery when I was 48. I was in the right place mentally. I had, was financially capable of doing that at that point. And I went and had my second surgery. I was fortunate enough to choose one of the best surgeons of the world, Dr. Miguel Delgado in Nevada, California. And when I woke up after that second surgery, I felt reborn. I felt really like a different person and I've never really looked back. 
And to this day, when somebody looks at my chest, they can't imagine that I have gynecomastia. And they look for the scars and they can't find them. And it's almost like it was another person in another life. And so I'm here to share with you the fruits of the knowledge I've gained over these years so that it can make your journey easier, so that you don't have to carry the same shame that I did for so long. So what is gynecomastia? Means, gynecomastia itself means female breast. So it means that guys develop some degree of breast tissue from a hard little knot underneath the nipple, often referred to as puffy nipples, all the way through F and G size breast. How much breast that a person develops is very much due to genetics, hormone balance, and a whole bunch of other things. So, what happens for most guys, the estimates are in adolescence, that 30 to 70% of boys will develop some degree of gynecomastia. But the vast majority of them is simply a small hard lump right underneath the nipple. Some may never even notice it. They may not have enough awareness of what's going on in their body to see it. Somebody else might see it. And even that lump can be big enough to pop the nipple out, what they call puffy nipples. But the vast majority of those boys, it will disappear anywhere from six months to 18 months, it'll just dissipate. But for that other small percentage, it'll grow large enough that it doesn't go away and it can grow really large with actually fully developed breast or even pendulous breast. So let's go back to the adolescent onset for a moment and talk about what happens when that boy is starting to have puberty. So there's a sudden surge of testosterone and estrogen that happens in the system. And certainly the estrogen gets turned on really large. And what happens is, is that the liver then has, is the, is the organ that processes testosterone in the body. So if the liver hasn't got the signal that we're about to get a big surge of testosterone and to be ready, it may be overwhelmed by too much testosterone at that initial onset of puberty. So what happens is if the liver is unable to process all of that testosterone, what happens is, is that the excess gets converted to estrogen. So for a short period of time, the boy has probably developed a hormone imbalance where he has more estrogen in the system or enough that it starts developing secondary female characteristics. And the most common secondary female characteristic to develop is breast. Men, as well as women, or boys and girls, have exactly the same wiring in their chest and are completely capable of growing breast. Men are equally capable of breastfeeding children. There are historical counts of fathers spontaneously learning to, or uh, producing breast milk to save their children or babies when the mother dies. And certainly there are ways to induce lactation in a man using hormones even today if a father should want to go through that process. So we have the same wiring. Once that breast tissue gets activated and grows, and if it's there for a sufficient amount of time or there's a large enough amount of it, it's going to be there until it's removed. It's really important to understand it's just breast tissue. It's not who you are. It's not who they are. Any more than a woman is defined by her breast, a man isn't defined by his chest either, though we tend to appear both of those in popular culture because it's the most obvious secondary characteristic of men and women that we look at besides the face. So anything that impairs the liver can cause gynecomastia in a man. But you also have to have a genetic predisposition. There are plenty of women who have no breast, 
and there's plenty of really fat guys who have really flat chests. And yes, obesity can be a contributing factor. The more fat that you have, the greater the estrogen produced in the body. But you still have to have a genetic predisposition to grow breasts, or it's not going to happen no matter how much estrogen you have in your body. So anything that impacts the liver can be a problem. And if you have disorders like Kleinfelter's, Gilbert's, alcoholism, as I mentioned earlier when I'm my doctor, you're impairing the liver, you're impairing its ability to process testosterone in the body. And let's talk a bit about adult onset in that the classic is what we call bitch tits in the bodybuilding world. It used to, if you were going to do testosterone or steroids or something, you were going to develop gynecomastia at some point. And so it was almost a rite of passage that you grew the bitch tits and you had them removed as you were working your way down or building the body that you wanted to build. Now, in bodybuilding circles, they cycle with anti-estrogens to battle that very thing from happening. So they're throwing more chemicals in their body and that's what they choose to do, but that's how they stop that from happening. But again, anything that produces that much testosterone in your body, the liver may or may not be able to handle it. So in adult onset, the most common actually is prescription drugs. Uh, the class of drugs, SSRIs, are really notorious for uh, causing gynecomastia, uh, Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, Selexa, the, the whole line. But any drug that has a significant impact on the liver can have this happen. And if you have a predisposition, in my experience, with guys in a two, have gynecomastia in adult were the same ones who had a small amount of gynecomastia when they were a boy, and then it went away. But they have the genetic predisposition, and if the liver is impaired sufficiently, or they have enough estrogen in the system, for instance, uh, guys who are uh, diagnosed with prostate cancers, one of the first thing they do is chemically castrate them, so their body is flooded with estrogen because the testosterone has been turned off. So developing breast is a very, very common thing. So for a moment, let me talk about the impact on that adolescent boy. This happens at possibly the worst possible time in a young man's life. He is just becoming aware of his body in a different way. He's becoming aware of his sexuality. He's having these urges. He doesn't know quite what's going on. And most of all, he wants to fit in. He wants to belong. And the very thing that his body is keeping him from fitting in because he doesn't think he looks like all the other guys. And he thinks it makes him stand out, and not a way that you want to stand out as a child. You want to be famous, but you don't want to have breasts. You don't want to be not like the other boys. You don't want to have a reason for the other kids to point that you're different, and you're bad, and they're good. And that's how shame happens. Shame is, in the most literal sense, I am bad. And so a boy who has a lot of shame will oftentimes look outside of himself physically to figure out why he feels bad on the inside. He may think he has the wrong color hair, or his penis isn't long enough, or he has something wrong with his breast, but he'll look on his physical being to justify that bad feeling on the inside. And no amount of correcting that or changing the outside will solve that shame on the inside. But you can't solve gynecomastia. But it's really important to also solve the emotional piece with that because simply removing the breast, or the breast tissue, is not a cure-all. It doesn't solve all those problems, particularly if this is really devastating. 
If a boy has a really solid sense of self, if he knows who he is, or at least has some idea of who he is, when he develops a little bit of breast tissue, or even a lot of breast tissue, he'll be aware that it's just breast tissue, and he'll do his investigation, and either he can have it removed or can't, depending upon his family's economic situation. But it doesn't define who he is as a person. If the gynecomastia becomes a defining characteristic, that means that there's something else going on, because nothing on us is a defining characteristic any more than your penis size, the hair color, or length of hair, or lack thereof hair, or the nose side. What really is ultimately important is on the inside. And while I'm a strong advocate of having surgery, and removing the gynecomastia, and having a normal looking chest, it's still not the solution to all the problems that may come up. Too many boys have written me over the years, and there's examples of this in my book, and talk about when the gynecomastia shows up, they think their life is over. They're never going to get laid. They're never going to get married. They're never going to have kids. They think they're the ugliest person on the face of the universe. And they go into hiding, and they'll wear layers of clothes. In the summer, they're notorious for having a jacket or a sweatshirt or two or three things on, no matter how hot it is outside. Because if somebody sees this deformity as they see it, they will see that badness that they feel inside. And what's true is you can have so much gynecomastia that it will make you the object of ridicule or shaming and teasing and bullying. And that's really important for the parent to be there. Because in my experience, if a child has gynecomastia, there's usually somebody else in the family that has it as well. Dad, or brother, or uncle, or grandfather. So, and they may have their shame about this that they've never talked about. So, the first thing that a child needs to do is talk. And the parent, the teacher, the coach, the minister, the whoever that he talks to, needs to have empathy, needs to have understanding that this is simply a physical condition. This is not the defining characteristics of him as a bad person or him being deformed or bad in some way. But to offer compassion and empathy and support and to remind him that who he is is just fine. And just like however tall you are or however short, or whatever other defining characteristics of you, some of the things we just learn to live with and accept. And for some guys, because of the financial situation or because they choose not to have surgery, they have to find some manner to embrace. And for many guys, their nipples are one of the most sensitive erogenous zones on their body. And so if you're one of those fortunate guys whose nipples are erotically sensitive, this may become a primary part of your sex life down the road. And your partner would want to be a part of that, or you don't want them as your partner. So let's talk about adult onset for a moment. Most guys have a pretty strong sense of themselves by the time they get to adulthood, and so, and for, you can't go to a Home Depot without seeing guys in the tight t-shirts and the breast bouncing around. It's just sort of a part of our culture. And, and I don't think the guys even think about it twice. Uh, and that's one of the advantages of adult onset as opposed to adolescent onset, is that you actually have had the time to develop a sense of self and how you fit into the world. So the really big question is, what do you do about it? Well, if it's adolescent onset, 
the first thing you do is wait. So I say within six months to 18 months, the vast majority of boys is going to disappear. Or I've seen cases where they simply grow into it. But there's a small amount of breast tissue there. And consequently, it looks a lot bigger when they're 13 than when they're 25. And so as they grow and the, the gynecomastia doesn't get any bigger, it just becomes a part of their body and they may have a small amount of puffy nipples, which there's a huge amount of guys out there with puffy nipples. And I see bodybuilders, I see models, I see movie stars. If you really look at guys' chest, there's plenty of guys out there with puffy nipples. It's not like you're the only person in the world with that. So consequently, if you own your chest, if it's a part of you, that's great. There's no reason to cut that out. And particularly if your nipples are a little erotic, why would you want to take the risk of losing some of that erotic sensation or all of it by having surgery? So let's talk about surgery. So if you have any substantial amount of gynecomastia, and particularly if you have pendulous breast, the first step, if you're overweight, is to lose the weight. Because if you do end up having surgery, the surgeon's going to do a much, much better job if, you, if he can see the true contour of your body. He's going to contour your chest to your whole body. And so the less fat you have, or the more normal weight you are, the better job he's going to do. And also, the kind of surgery will depend upon the amount of gynecomastia you have. If you have just puffy nipples, and a good surgeon is going to remove enough of the breast tissue so that the nipple comes down, but not so much that it collapses. And that's very different because you're just going to probably make a half moon incision under each nipple and they'll go in and they'll cut out a certain amount of the breast tissue and sew you back up. And if it's a good surgeon, those scars will disappear and no one will ever know you had surgery. But if you have a large amount of gynecomastia, a large amount of breast tissue and fat, and usually most people who have any significant amount of, of breast tissue are going to have fat as well, just like a woman's breast is a combination of fat and breast tissue, you're developing the same thing, then they're going to have to make a different kind of incisions, a different kind of surgery, because you're going to have to tighten everything up. And if it's really pendulous breast, they're probably going to have to remove the nipple, cut down the breast tissue and the excess skin and then sew the nipple back on. There are other surgery techniques for people who are doing things that are inventive and moving all along, faster along to make this an easier surgery with less scar tissue and so that you can have a very normal looking chest, which is what we all want. So let's talk a moment about surgeons. I have a prejudice. Uh, when I uh, started making surgeons list to be or pay to be on gynecomastia.org, I insisted that they all be board-certified plastic surgeons. I've had so many horrific stories of guys who were operated on by non-qualified surgeons who removed muscle and had these concave chests as a consequence, or who were left with horrible scars and deep concave nipples, and so they felt worse after the surgery than they did before. So it's really, really, really important that you find a qualified surgeon, preferably board certified in plastic surgery, who has a lot of experience, who has notebooks full of pictures of before and after pictures. And I want you to really look for the guys who have the same chest you have in the before pictures and not the ones that you want to look like after. They don't look anything like your body because we all want to look like Brad Pitt or something with a nice chiseled chest, but that's not what most of our body types are like. 
And so really look at the pictures, really look at the results, and look at more than one surgeon. And negotiate price. Surgeons are business people. You don't have to take the first price that gets offered you. And insurance does not tend to cover it these days because for most times it's considered cosmetic surgery. The exception seems to be if there's pain in the breast and the only way that the doctor says that the pain's going to go away is through surgery. And that's not uncommon. When guys uh, and women first start developing breasts, often there's, there's discomfort and pain in the chest. And for some guys that goes away and some guys it doesn't. So, but it's really important to get the best price you can get, the, the best surgeon you can afford, because you're going to be the happiest with the results. And then there are the guys who choose not to have surgery. And that's great. Whether it be puppy nipples or even more pendulous breasts, we have to come to terms with our body. We have to come to terms with how tall we are, how short we are, our body type. And that's just one more piece of ourself that we get to come to terms with. And so it's making the best of it. It's really embracing who you are. It's not making other people's opinion of you your opinion of you. There are stories. I've uh, talked to a lot of guys over the years who had such pendulous breasts that they ended up wearing bras or some kind of support garments. And there are a lot of different support garments out there, including bras. Uh, and I always think back to the one story of the guy who... Uh, wife decided his, his chest was so big that he really needed to wear a bra and have some support. And so she ended up buying him matching bra and panties and they really improved their sex life and it became really a big piece of who they were. And so we're capable of accommodating a whole lot of things. And I'm not suggesting that you need to turn into a cross-dresser. I'm just suggesting it's one of the possible outcomes of really embracing who you are. And I've had bisexual guys tell me that it that it goes both ways and it lets them get laid by a whole greater group of men and women that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So we're, there's many different possibilities and many different outcomes as we can possibly imagine. And I invite you to own who you are. And if you want to have the surgery and you can afford it, by all means do. And if you don't want to have the surgery and you can't afford it, then accept who you are. Look in the mirror, say, I love my chest. I love who I am. And my chest is just one part of me. And it doesn't define me, but it is a part of me, and I accept it. And make it a part of your sex life, whether it's your sensitive nipples or not. Your partner should not, you should not run away from your chest. You should not extract, not ever let your partner touch it, or make it, or make it eroticized in some way. It's part of who you are. And the skin is the largest sex organ on the body. You should enjoy every part of it as much as you can. So, as I bring this to a close, I want to remind you that gynecomastia is simply men with some breast growth in their chest, just like a woman does. There's adolescent onset, which happens at a really bad time. There's adult onset, which is usually easier for most guys to cope with, but not always. And it's simply that the body, the liver isn't processing the testosterone in the body, and consequently there's too much estrogen in the body, and you develop secondary female characteristics. It's simply a physical condition. It's not a disease. It can be caused by a disease, but in and itself it's not a disease. It's a symptom sometimes of one. It's not a disorder. 
It's just simply how your body is functioning. So most of all, I want you to know you're not alone. That you can change it. You can accept it. And there's absolutely no reason in the world to be ashamed or to hide it. And if people make fun of you, you can have pity for them because they're more afraid of not fitting in than you are. One of the things I say to my clients is, is the pain that makes us who we are isn't the pleasure in life. And it's how we learn to cope with that pain and nobody gets through childhood unscathed that really defines who we are as an adult. So this can also be looked at as a gift for you to really figure out who you are and that you're more than just the physical and you're more than just what other people think of you. So I really want you to know I understand. Been there. And there's no reason that you can't have a life and have a wonderful life and a relationship. And it has nothing to do with your chest or your God commands to you. So thank you very much for taking this time and spending it with me. If you want to know more, and to hear other people's stories and comments, by all means, buy a copy of the book. You can find links to both the Google Books and the Amazon on the website. Once again, thank you very much for taking this journey, and be well.